1: Many times we think, oh, God's going to forgive us, and then that, there's no penalty. Well, there's no penalty as far as life. You, you know, you're saved by grace, and if you remain in faith in Christ, you know, you have eternal life. But what happens is we think that once we sin, that the penalties are taken. You're not want to got yourself in that trouble. Hey, listen, all the sickness that we have, the aging and all the sicknesses, it's all the result of sin.
0: There are a lot of things in this world that are bad. In today's message, Pastor Eddie says it's all a result of sin. Because this world is inherently bad, it needs a savior. That person is Jesus. If you don't believe in Jesus, you'll have no answer to the world and the way that it is. Jesus gives hope in the darkest of places. If you trust and believe in the hope of Jesus, you will be saved. Trust in God today and find hope in his everlasting love. Well, let's join Pastor Reddy in the book of Titus chapter 2 as he continues his message, Trained by Saving Grace.
1: How can one who surrendered their lives to Christ... Saved by the grace of God. Live in a way as there's no God. It must be evident in our life and how we walk. They should see in you the result of saving grace. What does saving grace look like? Well, look at look at Austin. Look at Jerry. That's what saving grace looks like. We live in a world filled with people who do not have God. I believe there are more atheists today than there were years ago. Not because of the time, but I remember I was reading a book and it opened up by writing about the passing of Billy Graham. He said, there would never be another Billy Graham because the generation that made him possible no longer exists. And then it's the truth. You say God, they're going to say which God? And I always say, don't say, yeah, you can say God. If you say Jesus Christ, it changes the, the conversation, it will bring conviction. Or they will deny and reject Christ. If you say Jesus Christ, they know what God you're talking about. And so we ought to live. We, li- we live in a world where many people do not believe in God. The world around us needs to see the evidence of God. How do they see the evidence of God? By looking at how you live your life to show that you've been saved by grace. You've been saved by grace. Let your life be the evidence of what God's amazing grace can do. The second thing is teaching us, grace is training us, we're to deny worldly loss. Worldly lust. And it's not only sexual immorality, it's not only sexual sin, but it could be a lust for wealth, a lust for power, a lust for pleasure, fame. Worldly lust. We're to deny these things. You see, you and I have received the grace of God, the unmerited favor of God. We are born again and we turn away from these things. We shouldn't be drawn to these things. We should turn away from these things. Looking at this negative part in the life of a Christian, things we're to deny. Paul is telling us to deny it because Christians still struggle with this. We we're not perfect. Only Jesus is. I know many of us we examine ourselves right now, you think, oh, is he talking to me? All of us. (laughs) We're all in this together. You have some Christian who say, "Well, I, I know that I do these things, and you know I know that I have ungodly, uh, have ungodly characters, and, and and I struggle with worldly lust." But God knows my heart. God knows my heart. Can I tell you something? I know your heart. Yeah, Pastor Eddie knows your heart. You know why? Because your heart is just like mine. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, it says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So I know your heart. You know my heart. We all know each other's hearts. Are we agreeing with that? According to scripture, it's all wicked. I may not know your intentions. Only God knows that. I don't know your intentions. We don't know each other's intentions, but we do know the heart. Every heart is deceitful. Above all things, it is desperately wicked. And the next thing they'll part, say, okay, God knows my mind. Okay, I, you got me there. But, you know, when I sin, you know, I'm under grace. I'm under grace. I'm covered with grace. The grace of God. The grace of God is not for the believer in Jesus Christ to, to use it as a license to sin. Now, let me tell you something, that Paul even addressed this thinking, the Apostle Paul. Why? Because this thinking started all the way back in the garden. There's nothing new. You see, the heart of man has been corrupt since the garden. It's still corrupt. Two things that are always guaranteed, regardless of the century, regardless how how ancient or how future it might be, as long as God should tarry. One thing that remains the same since the beginning of time is the heart of man is corrupt, and the word of God is true. And in order to change the heart, we need repentance. We need to be right with God and learn from the word of God and how to live right, to honor him, to glorify him. And Paul understood this thing because people are thinking like that today. Thinking I can live there any way I want to. Oh, grace, God understands. Yeah, I'm being renewed day by day. What kind of relationship is that? This is what Paul writes in Romans chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. You can't take advantage of grace. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? We died to sin. We repented. We became born again. We died to sin. Romans chapter 6, verses 14 and 15 says, For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? Certainly not. Paul, listen, we weren't, we're not, there were people, ancient times were thinking about this. They didn't have you know, cable with 200 channels and the cell phone to keep them. No, they thought they, they were, the men would gather in the choir and talk about doctrine, theology, or politics, philosophy. That was entertainment back then. You see, the grace of God freed us from the bondage of sin. And after Christ had freed us from the bondage of sin, why would we return to the bondage? The children of Israel, God set them free after 400 years in bondage is slavery, sent them free is a picture of that. And now they're there in the desert. I want to go back to Egypt. They just killed your grandfather. There's no union over there. You're going to build Egypt. Yeah, there's no medical coverage. And they treat us bad for 400 years. We're in bondage. Why would you want to go back? It's the same way, if, 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 if a man was locked in a cell with no bread and water, but the only food he had was slop that they would serve pigs, he's set free. The keys turned, they're out of the cell, they're now free. They can have lobster, whatever, cheeseburgers, whatever it is, they're free to eat and live free. They left bondage. It's as if God opened the door through Christ, set free from this cell, and we go back. Why will not we go back to sin? It's the foolish thing to go back to bondage, especially the bondage of sin is the foolish thing to think that God, in the grace of God, is a license to sin. Paul shares that thought. One thing to know as we look at how we live our lives as Christians is that you will reap what you have sown in the flesh. Understand that. Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8, Paul writes this, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever man sows, that he will also reap. He who sows in his flesh will also, will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap corruption. Everlasting life. You reap what you sow. We come to the cross. We believe. We, we repent our sins. We're forgiven, but there are consequences. You're going to reap. You're going to reap what you sow. Many a times we think, "Oh, God's going to forgive us, and then there's no penalty." Well, there's no penalty as far as life. You you know you're saved by grace, and if you remain in faith in Christ. You know, you have eternal life. But what happens is we think that once we sin, that the penalties are taken. You're the one that got yourself in that trouble. Hey, listen, all the sickness that we have, the aging and all the sicknesses, it's all the result of sin. Sin brings that up. So that's the result of it. But we have eternal life through Christ. Numbers chapter 32, verse 23, the Lord said, take note. You have sinned against the Lord and be sure your sin will find you out. Some people are good at covering up things, but you can't cover it up with God. But God loves you. God loves you, so he chastens you. He, it's like a parent. A parent that really loves a child will discipline a child. You see, the reality is this. We all have a problem. You, me, every man, woman, boy, girl we have this problem called Sin sin in fact we were born in sin psalms 51 verse 5 david writes this behold i was brought forth in iniquity and in my sin my mother conceived me perfect here's here's the proof who taught the 2 year old how to lie anybody you had a 2 year old that was said the truth who taught the 2 year old who did this not me 2 year old who taught a 2 year old how to lie it's natural it's the flesh. We're born in sin. It all starts back from the garden because of one man. Romans chapter five, verse twelve says, "Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sin." I don't know if you heard this before. We're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. We're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. Now, some people want to get technical with the word sinners. We were sinners before the cross in that we don't practice sin. Do we sin as believers? Yes, we do. (laughs) We sin all the time but we learn we're convicted when we do sin that's the good thing the Holy Spirit said you know what Ed you blew it here we're going to do it better the next time this is why when we were sinners we need to be born again saved by grace Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 for by grace you have been saved through faith not of yourself it is a gift of God salvation is a gift of God how much does a gift cost you? I mean, if you've been conned for a dollar for a gift, then you have a problem. But all gifts are free. It's free. Salvation is free. Now, I know times are... It, it's difficult. You may not be the one taking advantage, saying the grace of God is a license to sin. Or saying, yeah, God knows my heart. You may not be that, but you may be that one to say, you know what, I'm, I'm doing my best. I really am. I'm struggling with this. You know... God is faithful. And here's where the grace of God trains us. This way it helps. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10, it says, For I have worked harder than any of the others, just to Paul speaking, more than, harder than any other apostle, yet it, is, it was not I, but God who was working through me by his grace. That's what God did. He graced the same grace that saved us, trains us. It teaches us. When we sin, we come to the Father, we come to the advocate, Jesus Christ. And I love what First John chapter 1, verse 9 says. This is the Christian bar soap, Saints. First John chapter 1, verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is what? Faithful. Underline that in your Bible. He is faithful. Every time you ask him to forgive you, he is faithful. And just to forgive us. Our sins and to cleanse us from some? No, all unrighteousness. This is the work of God. By His grace. Saints, don't use the grace of God as a license to sin. Fear the Lord. That's why it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. (laughs) It's great to know that, hey, there's a God that He loves you, He chastens you. But we can always come to Christ and He's faithful to forgive. Don't use grace as a license to sin, but allow the grace of God to teach you to avoid sinning, to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. The next thing here's the things we're to pursue, those are the things that we're to deny. Here's the things we're to pursue. We should live soberly, it says in the middle of verse 12. We should live soberly. Familiar word is self-control. Righteously. The word righteously here speaks of a, a call to goodness towards a fellow man. Whenever you see the, the, the words righteousness and godliness, the difference is this. Righteousness is horizontal. It's towards man. That's righteousness. Opposite of it is unrighteousness godliness is vertical so we want to live godly so it it not not only offends man but obviously if it offends man it's going to offend God if it's sin against man it's sin against God so the horizontal and the vertical must be right we must live a life as if we have a relationship with Christ as if we have been saved by grace be careful with these things that are righteous and things that are godly We ought to do what is right at all times, at all costs, at all counts. John Wesley made this statement. John Wesley said this, Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. Well put. That's a mouthful, but it covers all the bases. (laughs) At the end of verse 12, he goes on to say, live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. That is now. Just as it was in Paul's day, it is now we need godly men and women who have been saved by grace to live godly in this present age. It speaks of a relationship with God. It shows the world that there is a God by the way you live. There's proof that there is a God. Especially those that know you in your, in your BC days before Christ. You know, I have so many friends that says, what, Eddie? Dude, I thought you'd be in jail. You, a police officer, now a pastor? Say, yeah, God is amazing. <laughs> you know, God is amazing. It shows the grace of God. It shows the grace of God. We are to be godly, Christ-like in this present world. Is this salvation that we have through Christ, this godly living that is needed for today? Well, we looked at the grace of God appear to all men. The grace of God teaches us. Thirdly, the grace of God gives us hope. It gives us hope. Look at verse 13. It says, looking for the blessed hope. Blessed hope, the word blessed, you you probably remember the Beatitudes, right? Uh, Blessed are the weak, blessed are the poor, right? Blessed are those, you know, okay. It's the word happy. 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 So happy, we have this happy hope. As believers in Christ, we look to this blessed, this happy hope. How tragic it is when a person has no hope. No hope for the future. No hope for now. This world is filled with people with no hope. And where can they get hope when they find the believers in Jesus Christ living a life as if there is hope? You know, before we came to Christ, we also were without hope. Paul writes to the church of Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20, it says, At that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now we have Christ, so we have hope. Colossians chapter 1, verse 27 says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Without Christ, there is no hope. Because hope is not in a thing. It's not looking in the calendar. Hope is not in the wish. Hope is in a person. The person, Jesus Christ. Hear me. Hope is in the person, Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1, it says, God and Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Hope. When our hope is in God, we look to the Son, Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to remember this. Understand this. This is a biblical fact. This is the truth. There is no such thing, listen, there is no such thing as a Christian that has no hope. It doesn't exist. There's no such thing. Then he's not a Christian. No such thing. It doesn't exist. You know why? Why? Because of this. Our hope is in a person, Jesus Christ. And if Christ is in our heart, we will always have hope. Always. We're different from the world. We have Christ. We have hope. It's in our heart. So there's no such thing as a Christian having no hope. When you hear a Christian say, oh, I have no are you, are you saved? Well, let me show you what the Bible says. What you're saying is not true. It's against Scripture. You have Jesus Christ, you have hope. You have hope, he's in your heart, he'll always be. Now, you might be consumed with circumstances and trials and tribulations, and you may think, where is this hope? Uh, It's still there. You just need to find time in the Lord. You say, Lord, this is what I'm going through. It just seems that there's no hope. But Lord, my hope is in you. And Lord, this is what I'm going through. I'm going to leave it in your hands. It's better in his hand than yours, trust me. We have hope because we have Christ. He dwells right here in our hearts. For every single one of us who have place of faith in Jesus Christ, born again, a believer, hope is always with us. It. it never leaves. It never leaves. It's always in our heart. Now, allow me a little bit just to park here on this hope, because hope for a Christian is different from that of the world. And we already know. And the word hope is used like the word love. The world doesn't know love because they don't know Jesus. No <laughs> way to know true love, but God is love. It's not like it's added to him, he keeps it in his pocket, like Batman, he has a utility belt, his love, his grace. No, he is love. Everything about God is love. So the world anything outside of God is not true love. How do we know that? Look at the cross. That's love.
0: You've been listening to Running the Race with Pastor Eddie. We're currently in the book of Titus, where Paul is encouraging this young pastor to keep the faith. They're on an island that might seem overwhelming and reaching the lost with the news of Jesus. Do you feel that way too? You're trying to connect with people and help them see a better way. But the world and its pressures keep pressing in, and it can feel a bit overwhelming. Keep leaning into messages like this one in God's Word. We're so glad you decided to join us. And here's Jessica letting you know how you can partner with us in this ministry.
2: Prayers for this ministry would be so appreciated. The opportunity for the lost to be reached over the radio is incredible. So please pray for our listening audience and that what shared will alter people's lives forever. Another way you can support us is by prayerfully considering giving in a financial way. There's a lot of time and effort that goes into producing this program, and we're grateful for all who are willing to come alongside us to support the creation of each program. If you feel led to do this, you can find a Give tab at RunningTheRaceRadio.com.
0: Thanks, Jessica. If you missed that website, it's RunningTheRaceRadio.com. While you're there, you can find all sorts of information about Calvary Chapel of Milford, if you're in the area, we'd love to have you come visit on a Sunday morning. You'll find service times and directions on the website. Just click the Back to homepage button for that information. That's all for today, but join us again next time here on Running the Race.